Welcome everybody to another episode of the Unreasonable Art of Living podcast. I'm your host, Gerhard Molin, this time from Peru. Enjoy the music. Yeah, welcome everybody to another episode of the Unreasonable Art of Living podcast. Welcome back. And yeah, as always, first and foremost, I hope you're doing fine wherever you are right now. I'm currently in Peru, in Pisac. It's a beautiful town uh, north of Cusco, a um, city in, P in Peru. And it's, oh yeah, we are like, Pisac is like, Pisac's altitude is close to 3,000 meters above sea level it's it's crazy and uh yeah so me and my mother we arrived um more or less a week ago and yeah it has been quite breathtaking the whole yeah just the experience to be in peru more about it very soon and the thing actually now talking about my mom she gave me <laughs> very good feedback because <laughs> she's listening to that uh, podcast as well and she's like hey look there's like you know um 19 18 19 episodes in and like Imagine not everyone is, has been listening from the start and then you talk about Lumi and like <laughs> they would think like, what the fuck? Oh, sorry. <laughs> what is Lumi? <laughs> and, my mom, and she's right. Um, and yeah, so actually before I get started, maybe if you, do, if you listen to this podcast for the very first time, so Lumi is a self-awareness method, a journaling method I've been doing for more than three and a half years. And it really helped me to align my life to really make decisions and be very aware of what I do and how I live. And the method is quite simple. It consists of nine categories, nine lumis, and lumi is actually old Latin or Roman, it stands for light of life, uh, the light of life. And those nine categories are career, friends, family, mental health, body health, sleep, creativity, love, and learning. And yeah, I started three and a half years ago simply with the question, how do I know how am I doing? And this really helped me to reflect on that. So I was I sat down for three and a half years, like I've been, yeah, I've been every Sunday, I would sit down and rate, reflect on these categories on a scale of one to five. Five being the best, one the worst or bad. And I would look at each category and reflect upon it last week and would say like, how has been my friend Lumi and my family Lumi? And then I would rate it and I could reflect on it and become very aware. What does family, for example, mean to me or friends and love and career? And is it, is it aligned with uh, my heart and my intuition? And this really has helped me to make big changes in my life and really live a life that's very authentic to me and really also remove things from my life that, don't really align and yeah so this is lumi the method and i'm actually also working with my friend niklas on an app and that yeah to help people to become more aware of how they live and also help to find experiment and find new things how to kind of like try things out but uh yeah more about that in time and this week's lumi score has been yeah quite good 4.3 why very high? Almost each category has been a five or four. Only body health and uh, creativity. They've been a three, and that's okay. It's neutral. I'm traveling. Body health. Um, 
I can't do the things I normally do in terms of like workout, but uh, you know, that's okay. It's just um, also like becoming aware of like, yeah, more about it soon actually. And same with uh, creativity. I didn't, I couldn't, like I thought I could code more on my travels here, but yeah, actually once I arrived, I really felt like, okay, life really wants me to not code right now and just be an experience and break from all the routines and labels and identities I've been knowing thus far. And it actually brings me to this week's topic. Um, yeah, so Peru has been quite an interesting experience so far. We're only one week in. And why is that? It's like the moment I arrived, I was like this weird, eerie feeling within myself. I felt like I'm dissolving, like I'm in free fall. And like my ego tried to kind of like hold on all these labels and identities and routines to just like, because it didn't know what is going on. And then I started meditating about, yeah, simple questions. So who is Gerhard? Is Gerhard uh, my body? Is Gerhard my routines? Is Gerhard my thoughts, my emotions? Is Gerhard the person behind Lumi? Is Gerhard the person who creates this podcast? Is Gerhard the software engineer? Is Gerhard the son? Who is Gerhard? And yeah, I'm, I'm just checking. Oh no, the video stopped. I need to re, re okay, I need to continue recording. Let's see if it, if it works. If not, it is what it is. But yeah, it was a crazy, crazy feeling. This feeling of almost like this, yeah, a feeling of dissolving, a very scary, scary feeling. It's also like, it felt like a feeling of transition of becoming. Yeah, now that I quit my job and like um, this very new chapter started and I didn't know what to do with it. And yeah, I must say like it took me one or two days to really arrive here here in Peru um, because like I remember the first days or the first moments I was like okay where where's the next co-working space can I where can I do this maybe you know the place I'm staying is not can, where can I meditate maybe where, where can I do my morning routine where can I do this this and this this so I could I, I arrived here the first day and my my ego tried to apply all the things it used to know so i feel like there's some form of certainty and i had to kind of let go of it to really be in the moment here and to really understand what is happening right now because peru has a very intense energy it's quite overwhelming to be honest and yeah and then it becomes even more interesting because wait tea break oh by the way hmm I'm enjoying very good new tea here, coca tea. Coca leaves are unfortunately <laughs> not legal in Europe because it's from the coca plant. But it's delicious and it's very energizing and uh, very soothing for the stomach and especially if it helps for altitude sickness, high altitude sickness. Amazing tea. One more sip. So yeah, let's continue like them. This eerie feeling of letting go and this understanding 
that so often in life we hold on to our identities and labels of who we are. But actually we have to understand that um, holding on to these labels equals almost stagnation. And stagnation can lead to death in a sense, not in the physical death, but become rigid, very rigid. <laughs> and once you understand that actually life is a very non-rigid flow, an ever-changing process, that means that if we, when we become rigid, we almost could say we die in, a, in an awake, like in, in an awakened state. And I'm not talking about an awakening state, but being just not sleeping, just walking through life in a not awakened so wait, how do we frame it the best way? Holding on to a rigid persona and to your ego and to your labels and holding on to it, of course, gives you certainty. But on the other hand, it makes you almost walk through life asleep and not awakened. So now we get it right. And then, uh, funny enough, I read a book, I started reading a book, um, In Love with the World by a monk. And he decided to go out after practice years of mon in, in living in the monastery and really understanding what does it mean to live fully and to embrace life. And there was an interesting concept called bardo. So the Buddhist, there's a something called in Buddhism bardo. And I'm going to read this. Buddhism, so the bardo is the experience of being in transition. A bardo can be understood both as the gap between death and rebirth and also as the transition between the death of any moment and the rebirth of the next. Because the present moment is always a transition between the past and the future. We can use it to learn the skill of letting go of those habits of mind that hinder us from allowing any transition to take its course. And there are six stages in, in the bardo. And actually, when, I'm, when I look, read about it, I'm referring now to the sixth stage, the bardo of becoming. It's very interesting. It's the stage between dying and rebirth. An intimate period fraught with difficulties for those who have cultivated no mental equanimity in this lifetime. And what this actually means is almost like to remind us that forgetting is essential to learning, just as exhaling is essential to breathing. Breathe out, then in. Find the self, then lose it once again. Thus, the path, the path goes ever onward. So what does this mean? Mm -hmm. I'm actually now, my microphone is a bit awkward. There we go. <laughs> Video recording still working. That's ah, fine. And yeah, the bardo of becoming. And they also write, they refer, refer, referenced kind of like this famous slogan, Mind the gap, please. <laughs> when it was I think famous, it was coined by the London um, metros, kind of like to remind people, like mind the gap, you know, like don't fall into there. W why is it so important to actually mind the gap and the bardo of becoming? Yes, this transition of death and rebirth, and it's very important to understand. Like I think I mentioned this before, when we talk about death, it's not like the death would we understood understand in the 
traditional way where we die, our body dies. It's the death of chapters in between our life, between personas, identities, egos, and the rebirth. And it's a scary, scary transition. Because now, you know, like now I've reflect I've been reflecting on why I felt it has been like very uncomfortable feeling to arrive here. And suddenly I'm not, you know, when people ask me what I do, I, I can't say anymore. I'm a software engineer. Or, I mean, I'm a software engineer, but I don't work for this Melbourne-based startup. Um, this narrative that you come up with to explain people who you are and what you do. And suddenly this doesn't apply anymore. And then the question becomes, who are you? What What is this being? And... In the end, actually, once we understand that there's never an end to the means, there's always a, a change happening. And the part of becoming or this transition actually shows us that life is this ever, ever flow of change, ever flow of fluctuations. And only then when we hold on to these labels, identities, narratives, we actually fall into the fourth perception of life being yeah there's a permanence to something but actually there is not when we breathe in and we breathe out we change in the universe and we understand that with every breath with every breath out there's a change happening in our body in the atmosphere in things we do when we say something when we do something there's always an interconnected chain of reaction not so visible and maybe on a grand only visible on a grand scale and I think in our everyday life it becomes yeah it's very hard to become aware of it but in the end of the day this is what we do this constant fluctuation of change and understanding that actually this is actually what buddha said that the reason for suffering is to under for the main reason of suffering is that we think that life there's a permanence to it and it starts with when we come to this world and we identify ourselves with the body. But actually, once we understand that there is an impermanence to everything, everything goes, comes and goes. There's actually not really a sense of birth and death because when we grow up, we go through life, then our body decays and then, yeah, of course, it becomes part of nature again. Um, and it's a constant cycle and recycle. And it's quite uh, interesting to meditate about it because, yeah, you would say, why would you meditate about death? But actually, once you do that, you become actually quite free and there's a lot of peace and, and happiness you can actually derail out of this. And then something very interesting happened as well. So I was, we were at the, um, at the Shaman Breathwork in Pisac. It was very amazing. Like Pisac is such, there's such a crazy power and energy going on. Um, yeah, you, there's so much, um, how do you say, everywhere you go, there's, how to describe, very spiritual people, a lot of, yeah, the, the energy is so strong, like it's quite overwhelming, but there's like this beautiful cafe, Soul Seed, and there it's crazy cool concept. You can go there and people can come there and offer lectures, workshops, whatever, and then you would donate. And um, I attended actually a, a lecture on the philosophy of Greek and Indian philosophy. It was amazing. 
It was one hour and he was sitting then in a circle in the garden in the coffee place. My mom joined as well. It was amazing. And then the other day we attended this shamanic breath work. And at the beginning of it, we actually asked us if we want to draw some Osho Zen cards. You know, it's a fun exercise, but we did it and I drew very interesting cards. One card was about new vision and the other card was about no thingness by Osho. And like at this point, may you might not know, Osho was a um, quite important figure who did some great work on, yeah, great work in the spiritual realm <laughs> until he moved to the States where this became a quite crazy cult. Um, but if we can separate the what happened in the States where it became kind of like this, it became this very crazy cult, but the work it did before until then, it was quite, it is quite um, groundbreaking. And it's focused on the work and not on, on the persona itself. But then I saw I drew this card, nothingness, and I read about it. It was crazy that A, first I read this book where the, I was introduced to the concept of Pardo, this state of becoming, this transition in between, and then I drew the card, nothingness. And I'm going to read you now what it says. And this is so independent. Like, I, it's crazy when I read it. But yeah, so here we go. Nothingness by Osho. Being in the gap can be disorienting and even scary. Nothing to hold on to, no sense of direction, not even a hint of what choices and possibilities might lie ahead. But it was just this state of pure potential that existed before the universe was created. All you can do now is to relax into this nothingness, fall into this silence between words, watch this gap between the outgoing and ingoing breath, and treasure each empty moment of the experience. Something scared is about to born. And Buddha has chosen one of the really very potential words. Shunyata. The English equivalent would be nothingness. And Osho said, it's not actually not such a beautiful word. That's why I would like to make it no thingness. Because the nothing is not just nothing, it is all. It is vibrant with all possibilities. It is potential, absolute potential. It is unmanifested yet, but it contains all. In the beginning is nature, in the end is nature. So why in the middle do you make such, so much fuss? Why in the middle becoming so worried, so anxious, so ambitious? Why create despair? Nothingness to nothingness is the whole journey. Wow. So this is the card I drew and then I read this and I was like, wow, this is, this is very fitting. The state in between the nothingness. And what is it? So let's go back again. Why do we worry? And I think this is like so aligned with also what Buddha said, what, why suffering? Why do we suffer actually? Because we get attached to our identities, our roles, our um, perceptions of how life should be instead of actually realizing how life is and seeing how life is. And understanding this nothingness is actually all and everything and nothing. <laughs> To understand that actually our only our holding on to the ego. And actually this is very important. I think there's like a lot of 
especially in the real spiritual world and philosophies, you would say like, okay, you gotta, you know, kill the ego and um, get rid of the ego. And I think this actually, or that the ego is the enemy. I think it's a bit harmful because there's actually a healthy ego. It's good that we actually have some form of identities that we can choose in certain situations, but we should not be attached to them. And actually, you can't really kill an ego. An ego is no thing. There's no object. You can't point to it. Your ego is more like a process, a narrative, a label. And it becomes only dangerous when we attach ourselves to this ego, especially to an unhealthy ego that maybe acts on fear or jealousy, on corruption, on power. And then again, it's always about how do we apply also, for example, power. There's a good way and a bad way. Where does it lead to? Does it lead to more suffering or does it lead to peace, joy and happiness for other people? So the ego itself is just a way of... It's not an object. It's nothing you can point to. It is more about the idea of holding on to it and identifying it, identifying ourselves with it too strongly. Because there's a there's actually a good thing to have egos. And we can understand that we can have many roles for different contexts. It can be very helpful. Because it can be helpful for other people to understand how to behave in certain situations. And the nothing is what only mean is we are not the ego. We can choose to be that or not to. And we can choose to attach and not to attach. And nothingness, or what the bardo of becoming really means, is that there's no end to becoming. It's a constant transition between one chapter and another chapter. And once understood, this is where I'm in right now, and this transition of what I what I thought I was or like the labels and narratives I created, they no, don't apply here anymore. And the only way to really move forward is to understand, to let go and to surrender into the nothingness and understand as an ever-flowing change happening of becoming and not becoming. Because learning means also to forget. And it has been a very, wow, um, crazy experience so far. And it's a very scary. And yeah, I think uh, we did then this Sunday another ayahuasca ceremony. And it was again a beautiful, beautiful experience. So I'm staying here in, a, in the medicine community, Michi Hampi. Amazing family and uh, beautiful people. And it was a very transformative experience. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful experience. It was an experience of uh, death and birth. <laughs> mm. Yeah, it was crazy. So I will walk you through. And I think, again, if you listen to this for the first time, I've, I've, it's my second time I'm doing Ayahuasca. And it is a medicine it's not a re re recreational drug. It's really something that can help to 
explore deep blockages within you and help you to heal. It's a very powerful plant and it's part of a very deep and rich culture that has been applying and using plant medicine for hundreds of years, especially in Peru. So it's um so we you know when I talk about this is with deep respect and humbleness. And yeah, so I walk you through. So I you know I, so it started off with um so I took took a cup of ayahuasca and this time there was not much um yeah it was a very gentle night and so gently in terms of like the body reaction was very gentle. And so I took the cup and it took an hour, nothing happened. Then I asked for another cup of uh, ayahuasca. And before the night, I asked grandmother ayahuasca to be gentle. Whatever, whatever there is um, that I need to see, be first gentle with me and then we can work and step up. Yeah, and then I, I started to feel something and at first, okay, I felt there's something coming and then wow, I felt this, I was lying on the floor and I felt like this crazy pressure around my body. Almost like as if an anaconda was pressing me and holding me really tight. I couldn't move really. I felt almost paralyzed. And there was like this pressure from inside out. So my heart was beating, but it was not painful. It was not uncomfortable. I wasn't even scared. I understood at this moment, all right, grandmother Ayahuasca is working with me right now. And then I closed my eyes and it was crazy i could really see um how the plant was yes going through my body i could see the, yeah <laughs> it sounds crazy but i could really see molecular structures going like scanning through my body and scanning any any blockages and wounds and yeah traumas then i could really understand what is happening how this plant is working it would go through my body and like this pressure i felt it was just like really going deep and then it would kind of like cut away these blockages and traumas and then kind of like deliver it to my body. And the plan told me why I feel nauseous, why I need to purge or like to throw up is this is the way of how the blend works. It would scan, it would help me to remove things, deeply stored, move somatic, somatically stored experiences or wounds in my body deliver it to my stomach and my job is then to of course release it and of course you feel nauseous and this happened only once so i saw how it works and i was not scared anymore it's like okay i'm gonna i work with you bland i work with you ayahuasca and yeah when she was done i, I started feeling nauseous and then had to purge so purge the cleansing and had to kind of like throw up and release whatever was there and then wow and then was um It was a beautiful feeling of rebirth. It was almost like I felt like in a cocoon and there was like this beautiful bird of light. And I called it the light bringer. And then I saw my mother. And yeah, I think actually I want to dedicate this episode to my mother because um, for the very first time I really understood motherly love and I've seen and learned for the first time actually that my mother was one of my greatest teachers without knowing that she has been. And I could see what motherly love really means. It means, you know, when she gave birth to me and my sisters, she would hold us, hold us in her hands and she could see this pure, beautiful soul we are. 
And this is, this is how she will see us and she's us for the rest of her life. And I also saw the pain she must sometimes feel when she would watch us grow up. And, you know, as we all go out to this world and, you know, we have our own experiences and we get hurt and shape and, you know, how painful it must be sometimes for my mother or any mother to see their children forget who they are. Because they, they will always see us as this beautiful, pure soul. And sometimes we forget who we are. And my mother taught me to always remember who, who I am. And she also taught me to always see in other people the pure soul. Because we all know we sometimes we become a version of ourselves that is not really authentic and can, can be harmful and like it can cause anger and fear and jealousy in other people and suffering. But she taught me really to understand, to really understand that each of us is this beautiful, unique soul. And for me, there was, um, it was beautiful. I don't know. I'm, I have, during the ceremony, I almost shed a, shed a tear because I did not almost, I shed a tear. I was, was so grateful for my mom that she taught me that to never forget that, um, to never forget and there's this beautiful, beautiful soul in a person and to help remember them because sometimes we forget sometimes we forget you know we are so we live in our life and the years pass by and we become so unaware of who we really are and we forget who we really are and she taught me to always remember who we are and when meeting new people don't Stop reading at the at the first page, or just look at the the book cover. But really understand the full full book of a person. To really read them, and really understand them, because the true nature of us is always based on happiness and peacefulness and joy. So thank you, mom, for this. I'm beyond grateful, and uh, I love her very much. And yeah, I can't wait to spend more time with her the next days. So I'm gonna gonna do some trips it's gonna be amazing hmm. yeah and then finally i think there was one thing to actually end this it's gonna be a shorter episode this week what this ceremony also told me you know there's always um a time for healing but for now it is time to live and to just be because like healing can be also like a bottomless endeavor there's going to be always something you can look into. And this was my mom actually showed me this week as well. She said like, because in the end she decided not to do a ceremony. I'm very proud of her. Very strong decision. Now she said like, you know, I'm, I'm 70, year, 70 years old. I just want to enjoy the life now ahead of me. The years. And now really got, I got it. Because sometimes we just have to decide like, now it's time to live. I want to make the best out of it. And we can heal also through creativity, through inspiration, for loving other people and for, to serve. And in the end of the day, we just have to ask ourselves, well, what matters most is, what will we do with our gift in our lifetime? And um, yeah, I think uh, I'll leave you with this 
and thank you for listening so far. Um, I will keep reporting how the transition is going and the sense of becoming or nothingness. Uh, this week's going to be exciting. If we're going to do, yeah, it's going to be, we're going to go to the Rainbow Mountains. It's going to be beautiful. Then we're going to travel to the south to the biggest lake in Peru, bordering Bolivia. Then there's a birthday celebration on Friday with Mitsu, who's one of the shamans um, of him, Michihampi. It's going to be exciting. And um, yeah, Peru has been so far an absolutely beautiful experience. The people, heartwarming, honest, always smiling. <laughs> it's amazing. And the nature. I wish I could show you what I see, but um, yeah. I will share some pictures on the blog post or on Instagram. All right, everybody. I hope you have a wonderful day and I wish you all the best for your transition and your becoming. And don't forget, you are not, you're not your emotions and thoughts. You're not your body. You're not your identities or egos. What you really are is this beautiful, unique soul with a very unique gift. for a very particular reason to be in this world because again you are a child of the universe and you have a right to be here and I'm so happy that we can experience this lifetime together and see what we can make out of it alright have a wonderful day until next time